welcome back to the School of Care Saints podcast. This was a live Q&A through Instagram Live. Um, so it was live when we recorded it. Which Hanging is out like in the playground, answering some questions. Doing live stuff. Just shooting with whatever comes off the top of our heads. <laughs> Unplanned, unscripted, unrehearsed, and possibly sometimes incorrect. <laughs> um, but like... <laughs> that's staying in, that's good. It's very good. I like the... Um, I like it. You just didn't pick up on the light. Like all of the podcasts we record are live I've when we record them. I've before and it makes no difference. You still say that we do them live. It was live when we did it but in real like... time. Anyway, this one goes thick and fast, guys. There's hopefully some stuff in there which is going to be useful for you. Um, some of the things to talk about, straight arm strength, press to handstand, some mobility work. Beginners, injuries. Everything. Losing weight. Yeah. Um, nutrition, all sorts. When are we going to India? When are we going to India? <laughs> how to get into the algorithm? Or um, how many mus- Whether we can do uh, supinated muscle up or not, you yeah. have to listen to half of that to find yeah, out. Most of you probably know we can't. <laughs> you just told them now. <laughs> this is one of my favourite intros. We could just keep the intro going, but it's probably best that we get cracked into the podcast. So sit back, relax if you can, but it comes fast. It's time for the jingle. Let's go. <laughs> Hello. Um, so what I'm thinking Tim is that the intro for the podcast is that we um, chop all we that bit <laughs> this bit we uh, so it's Q&A so hi thank you ah, right tips here we go now we're coming <laughs> RS25046 the questions coming in so here's our first question oh I've got two questions that's better so um, first question tips on creating straight arm strength please we've just had a conversation about that Tim why don't you tell the people what um, you were saying to me about straight arm strength RS can you give us some context on that one I'm interested to know specifically what about straight arm strength are you referring to um, there's a little bit of it's kind of in some ways it's movement specific the position that you need to get into but also is it a static hold or are we thinking of a press to handstand where there's some rotation and some dynamic movement involved because the requirements and potentially what you need to work on are going to be slightly different. Thinking with straight arm strength, it's hard. <laughs> that's all you need to know. No, that's not all you need to know. Send us a little bit of context um, and we'll see if we can go a bit deeper on that one for you, a bit more specific. Um, Sid893, how can I start calisthenics? Um, well, one thing would be get our free beginner's guide. You can download that from the website. That's absolutely free. It's got 15 video tutorials of push-pull core exercises you need to start with to get a nice foundation of strength in those three areas um, to start your calisthenics journey. And that'll tide you over until we release the content that we filmed yesterday. Oh, yeah, which, which is, is very beginner-focused. I'm very excited. About, yeah, about working on some foundation. Literally how to get started from absolute zero. Well, I'm, I'm going to give a tip each. Tim, what would be your one tip to give to it? So as well as they've downloaded the beginner's guide, they're watching the tutorials, they're going along. What tip would you have? Only one thing, and I'll give one. Hopefully it's not the same. <laughs> what tip would you give to a beginner that's just starting out? Um, focus on quality. So when you train in, yeah, it's quite easy to go and start doing reps and I'm going to be a beginner, I'm going to do 100 push-ups. But if 90 of those are not very good, you're just going to reinforce bad quality. So always move with precision, move with high quality and, um, and prioritise that. Nice. Good. Because I was going to have something along that would be very similar along the size of that, of like not trying to rush through things too quickly and not trying to 
not trying to progress too fast and just take your time with it, but that sort of goes in with there. So I would actually say understand, try to understand why and what you're doing. So when you're doing exercises, understanding what you're trying to do so you understand the sort of adaptation you're trying to create and what the what the whole reason is for you doing it. Because so, that will stop you going down rabbit holes of like, I'm just going to try and do 100 push-ups every day for the next however many days. Yeah. Because the question to so that would be why? What's the what's the reason for Train that? smart. Yeah. Can we just answer that one there? Can't wear yeah. my new jeans. Exercises to reduce the waist and thighs, please. I like it that you bought a pair of jeans that you can't currently fit into. <laughs> um, yeah. I've got some jeans that I can't fit into for other for different reasons. That when I, I used to be, they used to be a lot. <laughs> I, the, my, I used going? to be a lot. I used to be a lot heavier when I played rugby. Yeah, and now they're too I, big. Yeah, they're too big. So I can fit. It's like I can't fit in them. But I can't wear them. You're keeping them just in case that one day you do get big again. I don't know. Now I'm just, I've always said I'm going to be that like weird ripped skinny guy like when I'm on. Check them out then. Um, that was Rowan. Um, oh, so the the result of that is just increase the amount of work you're doing. So if you're going to try and change your body composition, more exercise, less rest periods in terms of more volume in a session, just start knocking some stuff out in circuit style or whatever it is. Just keep the heart rate elevated um, and you can mix in some calisthenics, some traditional sort of metabolic or conditioning work that might be running or rowing or biking or whatever. But you basically just got to do more and you've got to get your diet on point. Um, and then hopefully those jeans are going to look splendid. Yes. Um, any more? Keep keep the questions coming in, guys. We're just firing through now. So RS two five zero four six has come back with. He's trying to get into the handstand for his straight arm strength. There was another question about um, straight arm strength as well. So we can Let's do that one from now. A, yeah from a handstand perspective. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, well, it's not tricky. It's, it's it's probably maybe not necessarily what you're thinking of. If you can go in, if you can hold your body position in a handstand against a wall for example or even if you can do a freestanding handstand then you are strong enough to be able to do it from a straight arm strength perspective if you are finding that part difficult up against a wall and you find your shoulders are, are flexing or your arms your elbows are bending then we would recommend just going up and kicking up to the wall and just pushing yourself straight strong long trying to drive yourself as long as you can so your feet move up the wall and that's just going to help to start to create some of that downward force that you need but also linking that through the chain if you're thinking about straight arm strength for something like a uh, press to handstand where you start in standing up and you put your hands on the ground, the, the hardest bit about those press movements is actually being able to get yourself into the right position to shift your center of mass over base of support. So from a straight arm position, having your hands on the ground, you've then got to do a job of getting your hips up on top of your shoulders. If you're going to go for, let's take a straddle position, if your hamstring range of movement isn't that good, you actually just can't get your hips high enough over your shoulders. So you've got to do a lot of work to try and pull a lot of your body mass over your base of support. So it can potentially be, if your straight arm strength is on point um, and you can you can kind of support yourself, if you try and little sort of tuck-ups to handstand or you've, you can kick up and you can support yourself in a handstand, great. Okay, you're doing pretty well with that. If it's about trying to transition to a handstand position, then again, think about mobility, potentially spinal mobility, hamstring mobility, hip mobility. Those are the sorts of things which are going to start to, to play into um, or come into play. Um, and if it's straight arm strength for something like a front lever and a planche is quite different as an isometric hold. So I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of breadth yeah. to think about. And on the hip mobility stuff, your hips are going to thank you <laughs> when you start doing a bit of work on them. That's one of the things I like about calisthenics when you pick something that you want to work on 
that then forces you to work on something yeah. that maybe you weren't necessarily thinking about before. So you might have been focusing all on your arms and your shoulders and you're actually forgetting about the importance, like Tim says, is that, that hip and spinal mobility. But those two things are going to... Your shoulders are going to feel better from actually working on some mobility work, lower mm. down the chain um, at the start of that. And if you want to improve straight arm strength, you've just got to get find a progression where you can be in straight arm positions. Yeah. And, and look at those to cross your workout. We're going to do a video at some point, like even if you're doing dips, yeah. finishing your dip off in straight arm, actually you've got to work through the range of movement that you want to use. And, so. put, and, and, and like give yourself a little pause at that end position. Yeah, so yeah, even when it. you're not... You, how many... If you've got a, if you've got a goal... How many times can you thread, and, and almost like you've identified a weakness, how many times can you thread that without overdoing it and overtraining it, but how many times can you thread that through into, a um, workout. into your workout? Yeah. Uh, is your, you know, ask yourself the question, is, your, is, your, is that straight arm position difficult from a movement pet capable? Like is it, is it, your biceps are so tight that you actually can't get yeah. in there. Is it that you actually, when you go in and analyze your training, when you finish your push-up and you go to the bottom of your pull-up, you realize that actually you're cutting the range short by like a centimeter so and you're not actually spending an awful lot of time in those end ranges. Um, and then also just to throw into the mix, like strength to weight ratios, yes, is really important, but um, for some of that um, straight arm pressing um, handstand work, you're, we often just feel that we're not strong enough uh, and like Tim says, having the ability to get into the position um, more comfortably from a spinal and hip mobility point of view is really important. Um, and the other thing is just how stable and how much stability can you create around your scapula and scapula position and control? Because you don't, you can sit, I remember just reminding myself of seeing um, that young girl at the handstand uh, world record day that we did, that she, when we said, has anyone got any other ways to get into a handstand? She went, put her hands, she said, yeah, and yeah. she sat there, sat on the floor doing a predal, yeah. a straddle from a sat position. And yes, she, her strength to weight ratio might have been good because she didn't weigh a lot, but you didn't look at her and she wasn't a beast. And you can see, I see plenty of um, sort of, female there might be like yoga or female handstanders that they're not jacked mm. but yet they're they're able to go from a straight position because they've got so, well, my assumption is that they've got such good like control at the shoulder to be able to and then the front is be able to go through that let's do this one back the karateka uh, so stuck Great on name. overhand pull-ups what would you suggest um, as the best progression i use a resistance band but feel i'm getting nowhere yeah, the bands are a tool for starting to work on your pull-ups, but then they can't be the only thing that you're going to choose because yeah. just it doesn't it probably doesn't do enough for you. So yes, we use them in we use them as part of a of a pull-up training program. They're good for training the movement pattern that you can start to get some strength through range. But because of the band's resistance, it sort of changes where the harder parts of the movement are. So some things to add in that I would do is some eccentrics. So jump up to the top of the bar and then try and lower yourself down. Take five seconds to go from the top to the bottom, just as slow as you can. Um, just really put the brakes on. And that's going to help to build some strength through the range. And the second one that we quite like is using some isometrics. So pull up to the top of the bar, just sort of you need to just jump up, hold yourself at the top of the bar and try and hold there for five seconds. Do the same at the middle point of your pull-up and do the same in the bottom point, which would be sort of like an active hang or just out the bottom of an active hang. And we'd encourage you in all of those positions to work through full range of movement. Work to the top and then work all the way down to a straight arm position at the bottom. Let yourself go to dead hang, back into active hang and work those through. So that And if those things are, those things hopefully will help. Some good active hang capacity work at the end of a session. Just see if you can hold an active hang for 30 seconds. 
and also some horizontal rowing because it's just good for just general back um, and pulling strength, but it takes a little bit less demand than going into your pull-up. So hopefully that is going to help. Um, uh, Beck, the karateka, also just followed up. She's followed up that question that's related to that um, pull-up is suggesting improvements for grip strength. Um, would we suggest just sticking with sticking with dead hangs? Um, would we... It's important that we work on the strength in the active hang position as well. But a couple of things for for your grip strength: make sure that we're gripping and squeezing tight with the thumb and trying to like crush the bar just to engage that that grip is going to help to engage um, and activate the rotator cuff up at the shoulder. And then the other thing would be you're trying to snap the bar, so that's going to create some external rotation. But that idea of your grip, you're not just hanging. And even when you're dead hanging, we're squeezing the bar and we feel like we're trying to snap it open. Uh, if you do those two things, um, your forearms are going to know about it. Uh, you're going to get your shoulder firing up better um, and it's going to help improve your grip strength. And if that improves, then that's going to help you with your pull-ups as well. Yeah, happy? Um, Key to questions coming, guys. Hey, <laughs> how, do, how do you pronounce... Grava Rupjiga Yoga. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Absolutely legit. Garav. Garav. That's what I'm going Legend. Um, we need, to, in India, killing it. And we need to come point. and, yeah, we need to come and visit. Always supporting everything we do. Uh, I've got a bad promotion to I'm asking about coming to India. Um, he's just here to listen. Um, how to gain muscles without losing fat. That's come, Mr. Boxer has come up twice. How to learn pull-ups. You just covered that. How to learn pull-ups one. How to gain muscle without losing fat? No? no how to gain lus- muscle with losing fat. So you ah. want to increase lean body mass and Sorry, decrease yeah. fat mass. Uh, yeah, and the train. other question was, how do I lose fat without losing muscle? So Same thing. Similar to you. Yeah. Oh, crikey. There's nutritionists <laughs> across the world trying to bang their heads together to solve this one. This is not a particular specialist area of mine. I've never been particularly... Um, I've never researched or read a lot around specifically doing those two things um, because you start getting into, into the world of not necessarily bodybuilding but those, those guys are very particularly pretty good at it um, you need to resistance train lift weights and from a nutrition perspective you need to make sure we're getting the macronutrients in that we need so you need to have an adequate amount or an appropriate amount of protein consumption but you're also going to have to start to do some um so more metabolic work to just increase the amount of energy that you're burning. So to be honest, my advice would be to go and have a look at some people that are doing that. People talk about low intensity, steady state, medium intensity, steady state. You'll see people that are doing that sort of stuff, walking on the treadmill to burn 500 calories or whatever. So yeah. it's, it all comes down to the sort of the total cost of the system. Is it, is hit training the right way to do it? If you're trying to build muscle and lose fat, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the best thing yeah. is. I don't focus too much on it. Um, um, we, we're trying to move away from that kind of thing of going actually if I just train if I eat well and I'm eating appropriate for the energy that I'm consuming so based on what my daily life is like how much am I how much energy do I need and if I'm resistance training sooner or later those things are going to fall in line without me having to go crazy and, and massively mess about my diet I heard Bradley Wiggins once said in his autobiography that you only when you go into the um I've forgotten what he said it was about putting <laughs> cycle in the car it was uh, cycling yeah yeah but it was like, um, oh yeah, that's it. to drive the shops, you don't need to put a full tank of petrol in. Right, yeah. So just the idea that actually just eat what you need. Yeah. And if you do that, and if you can put that into a slight calorie deficit, 
then you're going to lose weight. Yeah. Based on what your energy consumption is. But yeah, there's loads of people who know way more about that than me. Yeah. And it's that difficult thing between people want to build muscle, they want to lose fat. And to build muscle, we need a calorie surplus. So more calories than to lose weight and lose fat, we need um, a calorie deficit. And then when you want those two things, they're like the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. It then starts to become difficult. It's why we encourage you to, when we're talking about building muscle and losing fat, too often it feels like that is based upon um, an aesthetic point of view, like changing how I look rather than what we're trying to encourage. And we've been in, enjoying ourselves and encourage people to do is train for a purpose, train for a reason, like pick something that you want to like improve at. Train hard and train well for that. So it might be like a handstand, for example. Um, you're going to enjoy the journey to doing that. You're going to have it as a goal that you'll be able to one day actually do. And you'll know that there's an end point to that goal. Um, and then if, like Tim says, if you try and focus on eating healthy, um, listening to your body and eating when you need to and not overeating, getting your portion sizes right, all those sort of basic things. If you get those things matching up together, so you're training well with purpose, uh, with motivation, and then... Um, trying to eat as healthy as possible, then you, you're going to... It takes care of itself, yeah. One thing for me, if I was on that journey, I would sort my food and my nutrition out first. I'd be weight training while I was doing it. I'd drop the weight that I wanted to lose and then I would worry about it afterwards. Yeah. Rather than... Because I just think you can do it, but you, you walk in such a fine line of trying to get both of those things right and... And it's it, really difficult. It's going to be individual to each person. It's going to be individual to like what you can actually do realistically. Yeah, you like get in an unhealthy relationship life. with my fitness pal, and it just gets weird after yeah. a while. Yeah. Next question. Um, he was. Don't let me do names. Best exercise to train the bottom arm for the flag. I feel like. Um, Whenever I do the flag, I sort of max out on the bottom arm. So the bottom arm is going to be the pushing arm on the human flag. One thing is to make sure that you're getting into a decent position for it. So we need to get a decent overhead um, position for the shoulder and be able to have the, the head of that humerus driving into the body so that you can actually push yourself away. So we like to get into some um, T push-up style positions where you're able to just work on that pushing that bottom arm away at that angle whilst opening the shoulder up. So not having it sort of closed off down here, you're actually able to, to push away and have a nice shape for that. Um, it then comes down to like handstand work is good because you're in that overhead position and you're having to push the floor um, away in that same position. Um, so that, and, and shrugging in that handstand position, so get up here against the wall, being able to actually push yourself away is creating the same type of tension that we need to for the bottom arm in the human flag. Um, and then the other thing would be like just getting strong at your pushing. So we've done some sort of dip work and Korean dip work um, for that bottom arm uh, in the human flag. Um, add that into working on some of those progressions that we've used, like with the stability ball, uh, the angle flag. Um, all of those, all of those exercises, progressions, and videos are all explained in our human flag uh, video. There's actually a few decent. We've got some nice human flag stuff up on YouTube as well. Um, so there's plenty there if you want to try and look into those in a little bit more detail. There's two questions that mention pain. One about relieving pain after workout and one after about shoulder joint pain. Our standard response to anybody who asks us about pain is you need to go and see a physio or a doctor. We, are, we cannot prescribe um, 
pain relief um, treatments or rehabilitation stuff without seeing people in person. So your best thing is just go and find someone who can have a look at you and work out what's going on because it's, um, yeah, don't, don't rely on people on Instagram to give you pain relief advice, yeah. especially. Seek, seek the professionals. Yeah. Um, can either of you do a supinated grip muscle-up? Haven't tried for a long time. Maybe we'll try later. Current state, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have, no. I haven't it? tried. I'm fairly confident um, that I can't. Be interesting to try like with the band just to see whether you can get a bit of maybe that'll be today's playtime. Yeah. Um, Best exercise for whole body strength, muscle up. No, that was thick. That was fast. Um, if I could do, if I when I go away and travel, if I can't train, the one thing I do is muscle ups, ring muscle ups preferably because they're you know sort of not quite as taxing as a bar muscle up. But I'm getting a pull up. I'm getting some speed. And I get some yeah. dip work in there. Um, so if I just do that, and then typically, if even if I just finish off with that, I'll do a muscle-up set, I'll probably then just finish off with pull-ups and dips separately yeah. if I've got anything left in the tank. It's just, yeah, short and sharp, bang it all in. Even core's doing some work in those as well. Even so then like dropping it. down, doing a burpee in between, that would get all of that would get everything yeah, going. Not on holiday. No. <laughs> no one wants to do burpees on holiday. Uh, David White, White uh, what about... Oh, what do you do about incredibly tight hip flexors? Because we did talk about hip mobility and some of that press to handstand stuff. I mean, hip flexors do get super tight when we're sat down all day, a lot of us. Yes. Um, what do we do about them? What do we do? We would try and release a little bit of tension in them. So we would do some self, what we self massage or self myofascial release. And then we're going to then try and uh, get into some positions that are going to help us to um, mobilize that and lengthen them. So. Um, we got some. There's actually in the U, There's a YouTube video when we were looking at um, the pistol squat. pistol squat. Yeah, where we cover we cover that sort of kneeling hip flexor stretch in there. There's a load of different ways that we can we can try and actually lengthen the hip flexors. But taking some of that tension out um, initially with some self myofascial release. So on a on a foam roller, uh, we'd prefer to use like um, a lacrosse ball or something, um, a mobility ball that just lets you get a little bit more. Um, pressure in there because the surface area is smaller than on the on the foam roller and the upshot of that is you need to be able to do something which is going to help you to increase range of movement in the tight structures which is probably going to be hip flexors but then you need to do something which is going to strengthen glute posterior chain to stop them from getting tight again so the big thing is just take a bit more, bit more of a holistic approach to some of your movement work so yes mobilize them out think about what is it that's causing the tight hip flexors is it because you sit a lot um, is it for a number of different sort of postural movement dysfunction reasons um, and then yeah so try and stretch them or, or find some mobility exercises but then also don't forget that you need to get strong there's lots of resources out there going I quite like um, some of Kelly Starrett's stuff for the hips I think he's got some good stuff to play around with in there especially to get range of movement your job then is to then go and train some strength in some of those positions to to start to stabilize the hips and stop them from getting tight again and a very very holistic answer actually to that would be and actually would be my current best advice would be trying to stay away from the positions that you're doing habitually like for long periods of time so we've now been sat doing this for half an hour we'd be better off actually standing up moving and actually rather than getting stagnant in positions just get used to braking, moving, and rather than getting stuck in the same shape. If you're driving a car 10 hours a day, then that's going to be difficult. But like when you get the chance to, let's stand up, let's move. I like this one. Um, my question is, should I do yoga or calisthenics? <laughs> what about both? You could do both. 
That would be good. Yeah. Fit quite nicely together. Lots of some of that stuff around getting tight hip flexors actually, yoga is going to be good for that because it just gets you moving, it gets you into positions that you are not currently probably accessing. So starting to mobilize the joints through. There's a certain amount of strength involved in yoga as well. But if you want to get yeah. into calisthenics and learn a human flag, that I've not seen a yoga class where they teach the human flag. Um, so, but they cross over really nicely because you're going to need shoulder range of movement. If you want to do pistol squat, you're going to need ankle, hip, and knee range of movement and stability. Calisthenics is going to give you an opportunity to get strong in some um, some different positions and, and do something a bit different. But yeah, both have a place to fit together. Jack was doing both for a while. I don't really do yoga because I'm hypermobile, so I don't really need to. Um, I haven't enjoyed yoga for increasing mobility. Um, best mo- uh, Lewis McLeod, best shoulder mobility exercises. I think it's interesting that it's not. There's so many different things and tools that we can use that there's. I wouldn't say. Would you say you have one best? Like, what's your one best thing? My life depended on it. I could pick one. Go on, this then. is just an Instagram live. Okay. <laughs> You're waiting for my response. I thought you were going to give it. Oh, well, my life didn't depend on it. So, I agree with you. Oh. There are a number of different things yeah. that you could use for different purposes. But currently, I quite like the kneeling, hands on a box, dropping down to end range of movement. Because I quite like getting that end range of flexion, but I like putting that in the context of mobilizing T-spine at the same time. Yeah. Um, we use that in a prep for our handstands, um, but that is also relative to where I'm at in terms of end range of movement for me is probably pretty good. So my T-spine gets tight. Yeah. Um, so I think the best, this is where we go, you go ready? On. Yeah. The best shoulder mobilizer exercise is the one that is correct for you. For you. Yes, that's very good. If we went like just like quick principles, like Tim said there, T-spine, so it's not just thinking about, it's thinking about a bit more around the shoulder, what else is involved. So T-spine, like even like biceps, triceps can be tight affecting the shoulder. Um, and then make sure you're working the shoulder through, trying to work on the ranges that we're trying to get into. So... Flexion, overhead, extension, arm behind the back, and then can it we rotate internally and externally? They're the things that the shoulder's going to need to do. You want to have control of that head of the humerus, so the top of your arm. You want to have control of that and your scapula, your shoulder blade. So make sure that whilst you're doing those, whatever the mobility exercises that you're doing, you are um, having awareness of, of the control of that area of what you're actually trying to do. Um, and then the other thing would be that T-spine, so your trunk, if you change your body position, change your hip position, that's going to affect it as well. So you want to make sure that you're controlling and you're working strength through the ranges that you've got and trying to gradually increase them, regardless of what the mobility exercise it is that you're using. I'm going to dive in on, on this one. Rel.13, opinion on joint lockout with bodyweight training. Good one. i try and keep it short. Yeah. Some of the stuff around joint lockout and joint end of range positions is about neuromuscular control. So can you can you control neuromuscularly the end joint range? If it's elbow, for example, it's going to lock out and it's going to be fairly stable in that shape. Um, should we be doing that? There's no, if you can control that position, it doesn't cause pain. Then you've got there's no reason why not. There's nothing dangerous about locking out joints. A lot of people will stand with locked out knees all the time. If you're going to go and put 200 kilos on a, on a back squat or you're going to put 500 kilos on a leg press, you then have to ask a question as to whether you're going to lock out or not uh, at the top based on the stability of the joints. But again, it comes back down to neuromuscular control. Can we create stability and strength at end ranges of movement? In bodyweight training, as long as you're conditioned for it, you're recovering between sessions because straight arm strength, as we touched on before, is going to be a little bit taxing for the system. 
But providing you've got control and you're moving through those range of movements with control and precision, there shouldn't be an issue with you locking out. You're only ever supporting your own body weight. If you've got 80 kilos around your weight on a dipping belt, okay, you just need to make sure that you feel comfortable. But hopefully, you'll have progressed to a point over time where you've become accustomed to progressively increasing lows. No one starts at 80 kilos, and I'm using a big number for, for to make a point. Um, but yeah, I don't have any problems with it. I'm actually trying to focus on locking out on my ring dips at the moment because I want that straight arm strength to transfer into my planche. So I'm using that for a specific reason as well. So I hope that helps. I think I jumped to... Fit Geek. What's, fit, what's Steve saying? Good old potatoes. potatoes. Oh, he's on the potatoes. You're running this weekend, 57 kilometre ultra run. That's it's serious. doing Edinburgh. It's in Scotland this weekend. It's my obstacle course racing, mate. <laughs> Friends... Can we do push-ups every day? If you want painful shoulders. <laughs> can I say that? I think you, you just I, did. You I can get, do, like... Of course, it's, do they, I think, the, yeah, you can do anything that you want, but there's... The, is, is it the best thing to do is probably a better question. Yeah, um, you, you can do push-ups every day, providing you're doing some mobility and some horizontal pulling. Otherwise, if you only do push-ups every day you are going to find that your shoulder finds itself into this horrible position. We lose the space in the front of the socket. We start getting some impingement. It's not nice. Um, so we're being normally, I would, if, if unless you come from a point where you've got a good training background, I would, in terms of one which is balanced around maintaining posture, I would recommend that people do two to one ratio of pulling to pushing. So if you're going to do 20 push-ups a day, I'd be recommending that you probably do something in the region of 40 rowing exercises to keep the shoulder healthy, at least to start off with. You can probably drop that down as you get a bit more balanced. But um, yeah, making a point that we're overloading these patterns all the time. Anyway, phones, mm. computers, driving, everything. We're always in this short, tight position at the front. So doing push-ups is only going to exasperate that more. We need variety and balance to our training and our life. Doing something every day. Uh, might not give us that balance and might not give us that variation. That's the, the question you need to ask yourself. You going on that one? Strong shoulders? Yeah. We did, so I did, but we did. I Maybe did the bottom one. arm mm-hmm. one. I know. I feel like we've come uh, back. Done block out. Tim and Jacko. Benji, he, Benji, legend Benny. Kemp. Keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah he, he, he knows it, mate. He did. He gave it the old class dismiss when I was talking to him. Uh, calisthenics oh, this is difficult to read it uh, content is excellent well done Ben um, since starting calisthenics have you managed to maintain the same level of muscle mass no my body has changed fairly significantly in some ways um, from what I look like when I was lifting weights I'm not as big but I'm going to put that What's down your body, to, is that? Well, oh. my body weight is the same roughly body composition different there's less of me up top however caveat is but then I, how are you saying hang on a minute i don't know but so i do look different putting, okay um some of this might be in tim's head by the way just for i have got male dysmorphia um however it's not necessarily due to calisthenics in fact my training has been less consistent over the last couple of years yeah. for a number of different reasons um than because i've switched from barbells to um bodyweight training I just think I've redistributed some stuff. I'll probably sit at like 74 now, whereas weight training wise, I might have been more like 75, 75 and a half. But I'm leaner now. So one kilo. Don't pick me apart. <laughs> um, I often think Tim looks bigger than when I first met him five years ago. So there's shoulders are smaller. Um, my body weight is pretty much the same, but I think I've, I think I've, 
distributed stuff from my legs further up. I feel yeah, I feel bigger um, up here around my shoulders doing doing calisthenics just because it's doing so much more upper body stuff than previously. Just remember resistance training, resistance training. So if you're doing calisthenics and it's a it's resistance that's going to be hard enough for you to create adaptation, that's the same as you using weights to do resistance training to create an adaptation. Um, uh, I've got one. Where do you guys train calisthenics? So we're based in Nottingham in the UK, but we get around a little bit these days. So it can be found multiple locations. Check out the website for places. But a, a, a different answer to that question is Tim trains a lot at home. Yes. So... Yeah, do there's hard. Heaps I don't know. I, do I, took, I did a session on Monday night, Northern South Africa, and I really didn't want to do it. I was at home by myself. Corinne had gone out. Jack was in bed, and I had weighted pull-ups at home at seven thirty in the evening. Bleak. Abigail, tell me hello from South Africa. You know, married to a South African. We're going to come visit in December. Greetings in Chile. Are we in yes, Canada? Chile. We'd love to be. We'd love no, to be in him. Canada. I want to go snowboarding in Canada. I think, on, I think that people have, uh, uh, people have if we didn't answer the question, answer them, they're so. writing it again, that makes sense. Is the crow to handstand progression necessary or can I get that strength only by doing handstand push-ups? I can do four handstand push-ups What's uh, the against the wall. What are you trying to do? Freestanding handstand. Crow to handstand progression is not necessary. You can kick up into it and you can bypass that straight away. So if you kick up... You're basically just stacking your hips up on top of your shoulders as a result of the momentum of kicking up. you just got to get good at putting a brake stand in that position. What the crow stand or frog stand to handstand does just takes you up into that position in a little bit more control, but it also develops some pushing and rotation strength, which you might want to use later down the line if you want to start doing freestanding handstand push-ups. Yeah. I think we'd use like a handstand push-up against the wall to build up some strength for that push-in. If you want to do the crow or frog to handstand, there's that control and awareness of where the hip is and the strength and the shoulder isometrically to keep you in that position whilst you're rotating up in that transition that you'll need um, to practice. So if you want to be able to do that crow or frog to handstand, you need to have part of, yeah, the strength work done, but you need to have part of that progression as part of your training. Yeah. Um, Vegeta Jam, my kickoff from the ground to the handstand is not very strong. How do I work on this uh, to improve it? We've seen this quite a bit in our beginners' mm. workshops actually, of people struggling to get enough kick up onto the wall. I think it's a commitment thing. I think people yeah. have got strong enough in the legs to do it. It's that commitment to going up and going upside down. There's three, three quick technique points. So the first one is you've got to split stance. The back leg, which is going to be first, imagine you're in a, a, tracker, um, a track start, like athletic sprint position. The back leg is going to be the pendulum. That's the one which you're just going to almost flick, and it's just going to carry you up onto the wall. The front leg is going to give you a little bit of a pop. So pop with the front leg, swing the back leg, that's going to give you a little bit of lift. And the other thing that you then need to be able to do is have the confidence to open the shoulder out. If you keep the hand on the ground and keep almost looking down um, in front of you, as you kick up, you're not actually going to be able to get the, the torso to rotate and therefore can't bring the hips up into the, the right position. So that is the couple of things there to ever think about. We've got some videos on those, so I'll go and check out our YouTube to get a bit of a heads up. Um, but as Jacko says, sometimes it's confidence, and also if you're not quite sure, you need to build the confidence. Two things, you can walk up the wall backwards just to start to get more comfortable, but also kick up and get someone to grab your leg and stick you up on the wall. All you've got to do is keep pushing down hard, and that's going to help you to start to feel a bit more comfortable into that position. Um, right, guys. There's, there's. Thank you so much. There's so many questions coming through. It's going to be difficult for us to answer all of them. There was, yeah, I want. I've seen two that I definitely want to answer. Any tips on getting more comfortable with the false grip on the rings? One thing about the false grip on the rings is making sure that we're not 
putting as the ring comes across the palm we don't want it on the bone of uh, of your wrist we want it on that nice fat pad that's going to one make it more comfortable so if you feel like it's on the but you're getting pain on the bone of your the base of your wrist that means you've got it too far down it's not going to be on the actual wrist it's that fat pad here um, i'll give one yeah wrist mobility yeah it's easier to get into a position it's less taxing to try and hold a shape so if i can get into a shape i can lock in here and actually i've got a good range of movement it's, it is uncomfortable because you're hanging body weight in a in a fairly um but a biomechanically disadvantageous position but if I've got a bit more range of movement to play with and I'm strong in that end range, it makes life heaps easier. And the, the final thing would be just if you can get into a good position, you just got to do it more. Yeah, and it's, would, that's the brutal truth. Yeah, it's hard. So, but then, so do some, don't just do all of the work where you're doing all your pull-ups like that. Do your body weight rows, but do work in that false grip position for your rows so that the demand isn't like flipping massive on your forearms uh, to hold that shape. You're just like sort of building up a bit of... Lower level capacity work for that false grip. And then go full circle and do some mobility work yeah. because more false grip is going to increase your potential risk of some golfer's elbow and we don't want that for anybody. It's yeah. unpleasant. There was a really good question. I'm going to get the names. It was a great... It was a, one that I think would be interesting. It was... Um, how did you learn about the stuff that you are doing... All about the stuff that you're doing now? So... Sharma, Sharma Fitness. I thought that was an interesting question. Uh, probably, it's become a blend of training for quite a while, being yeah. a strength and conditioning coach for 10 years and, and looking at some of, lots of different approaches to training. I've heard some good people speak. I've read some great books. I've read some not great books. I've seen great coaches coach. I've seen poor coaches coach. Um, and I've tried a lot of stuff out. And I think it just, it, it's a blend of bringing calisthenics into that. I've always talked about myself as being a movement coach and as part of that I coach strength rather than just there was, there was a time where people were just focused very much on strength training um, so I've worked with over different 30 different sports so if I understand human movement and what the body is being asked to do you can apply that into any different sport and now we're just choosing to now apply all of that into calisthenics yeah. I think Tim, some, something probably we haven't done enough of actually explaining to people like the background. Tim's been a strength and conditioning coach for 10 years. I've been doing it for five years with him. And that all started with um, coaching strength and conditioning for Paralympic athletes. So people with some sort of disability or impairment where we've got to change the training environment and um, adapt what we would do traditionally for somebody that would, is completely um, able-bodied. And we're going to have to change exercises and adapt them to fit the person in front of us. Um, and that sort of problem-solving aspect to the coaching that we've done for, like I say, Tim for 10 years, me for five years, has allowed us that when we've tried to learn calisthenics for ourselves and that's purely why we started we just wanted a more interesting different way to train we thought it was quite uh, cool to do um, and a bit different we started using and applying that that sort of level of understanding about as tim says human movement building strength building different movement patterns and learning new skills um, and then done his own research um, around that um, as well as our own um trial and error in our, our own training of figuring out what actually works and what doesn't work but just trying to apply a level of rationale reasoning um and science to back up why we're going to try out various different things um as part of that problem solving process right we're going to do five minutes and we're going to go thick and fast jacko oh, short okay, answers really short can you guys do one arm chin-ups i can't seth can <laughs> I might, I'm gonna, that might be something on my list for next year. I haven't put any time into it whatsoever. But I next year's one, goal, maybe. I did one the other day with the other hand. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So there's a few beginner's calisthenics routines. If you are a beginner wanting to get into calisthenics, we have a free guide on our website, which you can go and download. And we have a YouTube channel stacked full of calisthenics videos. So go and check those out. Yeah, schoolcalisthenics.com. You'll see that free beginner's guide straight away. When are we coming to India? Soon. We do definitely want to come. We've just got a lot of things to line up. Tennis players yeah. looking to start out we'll probably with Probably answer this. I used to play county tennis, Tim. To improve my posture and upper body strength, where should I start? Can you do that shortly without telling everybody about um, tennis career? You should get started with the, uh, with the beginner's guide. In the beginner's guide, we address like trying to get better movement and strength. And the movement part at the beginning is improving posture. So that you'll, it, gets co- it gets covered in that. Um, John Francis Brown, calisthenics for kids, development models and stages. Something else that we are working on and having some conversations I had about. A great conversation last week with a guy working in schools that we want to try and get on. Principles for this for me are get the guys moving, get the kids moving. Um, different challenge them in different ways. Just look to build physical literacy. Anything which is crawling based, push up based, hanging based, monkey bars, whatever. Make it like play. And if they're using their own body weight, well, that, depending what age they're at. If they're young kids, if it looks like play and they're using their own body weight, yeah. then we can put that under the banner of calisthenics. Like you said before, like make it make it a game. Like yeah. how can we make it fun for them? Um, we're going to give a couple more. How can I make my elbows stronger um, and other joints and building my shoulders? It's all about progressive overload. So if you train sensibly and intelligently by just doing a little bit more each time, each week or whatever, over a period of time, you're going to start to get um, the, the strength and control around the joints that you're talking about. But it all comes from patience. You've got to just get into the process and you've got to back yourself in terms of staying in the game for a period of time. Don't try and run before you can walk. These things do take a little bit of time. Eddie Deman, uh, 9754. I'm in the Bahamas. How do I get your pull-up bar? So the portable pull-up rig. If you email reception at schoolcalisthenics.com, you can get a price for... Um, for delivery there check out the shop guys there's there's all sorts of equipment um within the shop go to the website schoolcarsnets.com there's a heap load of stuff there i did a poll the other day it was like 60 percent of people didn't even realize that we've got a shop shop's got clothing in it. it's got training programs it's got equipment it's got all sorts just on that um for the places like the bahamas for the right amount of money we do do personal delivery but it's only on offer where the water is a preferable temperature and Colour of turquoise. If you're in Scunthorpe, yeah, we might come and deliver it. <laughs> Bahamas, we're there. How to avoid injury when doing calisthenics? Train progressively. Make sure you get rest. Don't overdo it. Two more. Um, would a weight vest benefit doing the eccentric portion of learning the handstand push-up to increase overall strength to get the freestanding handstand push-up? Two Four. points to this. You need, if you're going to do that, you need a great weight vest because otherwise those things are coming down in your head. And you can get them in the one. shop. And that's no word of a lie. Like I really yeah, genuinely legit. train quite a lot with that. I have done weighted handstand push-ups before. The eccentric portion is probably the easier bit to use it with because if you do the concentric bit with the extra weight on it, it's really difficult to keep the back straight. Yeah. Not impossible, but difficult. Um, would I do it? Possibly. Depends on what the rest of the program looks like. I would probably be thinking about working through a deeper range of movement mm-hmm. with body weight eccentrically before I started loading eccentrically through partial range. And I would I would take partial range, actually this would be like maybe unpopular, but partial range handstand push-up for me is with my hands on the floor, my head touching the floor. We would never barbell press in that position and the shoulder should be able to get hand to 
well, in terms of the body, we should be able, to, should be able to get it. So that would me for me is a full range handstand push up. So do that first before you start worrying about um, the eccentric overloading the eccentric. Yeah, with um, weight vest particularly. And that the the weight vest in the shot, the bulldog one we've got, you can take one kilo out at a time. So um, you can the drop sets really beautifully and progressively. Yeah, very yeah. good. So you don't have to jump by like ten kilos every time you want to go up. Right, one more, then we need to, Last need to wrap it up. Um, Quiet for a minute there. Oh, no, just reading, just reading. Sorry. Um, There's some good questions today, guys. You've done well. Yeah. Um, really good. God bless you and thanks for all this wonderful information. Two thumbs up. <laughs> uh, how long will it take to do a perfect planche? I'll let you know. <laughs> Carl probably told us it might never happen yeah, if you're no. talking about legs together. If you're talking about straddle, I can do one. Yeah, I'll come that. back to you on that one probably in about two years. It's hard, like, and it's a yeah. Doesn't give you the thing with the planche is a bit like the front lever. You don't, it doesn't give you much back. There's a lot of movements in calisthenics where you feel like you're being rewarded along the way. The planche, I think, is literally one of the things when you don't get reward until you can actually do it. It's hard. Um, Last one though. What's the bottom one there, Jacko? Um, Last question from which, Marcel. Marcel, which is best? One rep over time. Let's say one muscle up, ten seconds, or ten muscle ups in thirty seconds, or is it a question of balance? Depends on what you want. Do you want to be able to do one muscle-up for 10 seconds or do you want to be able to do 10 muscle-ups in 30 seconds? Because the body will respond to the stress you place on it. So whatever you want to do, focus your training around that. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Both of those are impressive feats of strength. And if you could do 10 muscle-ups in 30 seconds strict, I'm keen to see that because you are going to be flying. Yeah, plunge same as front lever. You either fail or you get it. Yeah, it's win or lose, right? <laughs> yeah. And there is no, there's no middle ground. There's no happy middle bit of like fluffiness in it. It's like you can do it or you can't do it. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's a cruel mistress. Tagui, right. we love you too. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I know we weren't able to answer absolutely everyone's question. We'd be here all day. There's so many questions coming through. Thank you so much um, for that. Um, thanks so much for the support. We absolutely... Uh, the Q&As would be nothing without the Qs. There would only be the As and we wouldn't yeah. know what to answer. So thank you for feeding that back. Keep in touch with us with all of your progress. Any questions you have like outside of these, just fire them to us on the DM. Um, we'll either be able to answer them straight away or we'll chuck them onto some of the podcasts to go into a bit more detail. Um, but yeah. You guys are legends. Have a great day. Bye-bye. That was fun, Jack. It was still recording. That was very fun. It went on even a lot longer. There was a lot of questions. There was a lot of questions. So that has been a, a Q&A quick fire on the Instagram live. That was a fun one. I hope there's some content in there, guys, that you can, um, you can take some value from. Apply it into your own training. Yeah, they're, they're questions that people out there have got on the hoof, and it's nice yeah. to be able to, to do that. I like the live bit of it of, like, you know, someone sometimes is able to follow up and go, oh, well, actually, it's like this. Or you're able to go, give us a bit of context around that. And then we were able to, yeah, give you the best sort of advice and, yeah. and information as we can. Right. We're going to wrap this one up, guys. So if you've got any questions, then please send them over on your preferred social media outlet channel. Um, or email. Or email. Or stop Tim in the street. Yeah. Send or, a letter. Yeah. Pigeon. Yeah. yeah, someone send me a letter. I'm not giving you my address though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, send them in guys and we would love the best ones that consider and fit into the algorithm do get answered. Um, Some people and, and better than that than others. If you don't do the algorithm, it has to be an incredibly good question. Yeah. No, we're not that bad. We just, it's a bit of fun. But until next week guys. Class dismissed. <laughs> We hope that you've enjoyed this week's playground session from the School of Calisthenics. 
Uh, I certainly did, Tim. I thought that was an absolute crackerjack. Um, so if you also did, or even if you didn't like it, but you just like us, we'd massively appreciate, and you like the podcast, we'd massively appreciate um, a five-star rating on uh, iTunes or whatever platform that you listen to the podcast on. Um, it makes us feel good about ourselves, but it also helps um, promote the podcast and make more people aware of it so they can enjoy it too. So all the best this week with your training, guys. Get out there and redefine your impossible. We'll catch up soon. Until next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>